One Week Season. Good afternoon, everybody. We are recording here on Friday, early afternoon, depending upon what uh, side of the country you're on. It's lunchtime on the West and uh, late afternoon for those on the East Coast. If you're listening to this on podcast, don't forget you can check us out on YouTube. We've got lots of stats for you to look at uh, that we're streaming. I'm with the infamous Mike Johnson this week, the Sunday Crunch Captain, the Sunday Slate Captain, and GPP Ninja. Uh, Welcome, Mike. How you doing, sir? Doing well yourself. Doing good. It's uh, I'm down in southern Arizona right now. I'm actually down by like Tombstone. Okay. We, uh, uh, so we're down here before we go out to Texas after the first of the year. But it was really cool. I uh, went and checked out Tombstone, and they have uh, like all the historic stuff preserved, and a lot of the buildings still have the original floors and structures to them. Uh, it was pretty okay. cool to see how they uh, how they preserved a bunch of the stuff there i mean like the sidewalks and like the main downtown are still made out of wood oh uh, really yeah it was neat it oh, was that's uh, interesting yeah and they have right they really preserved it in a lot of history and, and it's not huge by any means but to really think about like you know that was such a boom town and and what was going on there it was if you like history at all it's a cool spot to see right right yeah a lot there for sure yep so this week we have five games. Uh, we got the Browns and Texans. We have the Hawks and Rams, Dolphins at Niners, Chiefs at Bengals, and the Chargers at Raiders. We we got some. Uh, we got a really nice afternoon slate overall too. Uh, I really like some of the games that are on there, and uh, should be hopefully some fireworks. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna start off with here. Uh, we recorded this morning, and we were talking about uh, the revenge narrative with. AJ, you know, going back this week, you know, to play his former team. And we're going to lead right off into that. I, you know, you talk about right away, you know, and we're already starting to see it a bunch of ownership for Deshaun, right? First came back, you know, it's against the Texans. Walk me through how you want to go at this game, especially with the Browns having such a high team total because of how bad the Texans have been against the run. How do you, how do you tend to approach this game and, and where is, if any chalk going to be comfortable for you here. Yeah, it would be interesting because the highest projected ownership uh, from this game was, or from the Browns was going to be David Njoku, but he, it looks like he was just ruled out today. Uh, so that kind of uh, messes some things up, kind of condenses some things. Obviously it brings uh, Harrison Bryant, um, who should be the full-time tight end. Uh, into play, uh, Farrell Brown will mix in as well a little bit. Um, but you know, Bryant, even when Njoku was out, I know I remember they had a game against the Bengals and one of my season long leagues. I had Harrison Bryant going that Monday night game and just needed like two points and he didn't even get a target. Uh, so, um, you know, there's no guarantees that like he doesn't just become David Njoku. Um, but what it does do is it it should kind of condense things. So uh, Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones are clearly the Browns' top two wideouts. Um, very talented duo. Um, and I kind of talked about this in my DFS interpretations this week that they're kind of priced for Jacoby Brissett. And now they have Deshaun Watson as their quarterback. 
Um, so both those guys are really interesting, especially without Injoku. Um, I think the Browns kind of, they, they're built around their running game. Um, and Watson hasn't played a game and it's been like 23 months since he played an NFL regular season game. Uh, so there might be a little bit of rust there. Um, so Texans run defense is so bad that, um, you would think the Browns are going to lean heavily on the run. Uh, but there's also going to be the opportunities for some big shot plays down the field. Yeah. I'm interested to see too, uh, with, you know, how they are off the run, if they have any design runs for Watson, right. Are they, are they using them kind of how the bears are using fields, right. Are they rolling them out of the pocket, getting him room, right. We, we've seen what Watson can do with his legs over the years. And yeah, it was interesting when I pulled up projections this morning to finally start looking at everything and you think, okay, right. Like this is Houston, their run defense is right? It, it, we know how bad it is at this point. It's no secret. Everybody smashes them if they try. Um, and we come in right now, you know, to a 9% Nick Chubb, uh, a nothing owned Kareem Hunt. And we had almost a 22% Njoku before the news today. So yeah. I thought that was really interesting, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it all and, comes down and, to pricing. So like even Chubb, like, so like he's the type of guy that is he's going to have a good game like from just like a raw, like fantasy points. Like it would be really surprising if he doesn't at least have like a 15 to 20 point game. The issue is he's eight K and you know, even with all his big games this year, he hasn't really gone over like 30 points at all, you know? So he's had a lot of like 25 to 30 point games, but it's just, um, you know, those games obviously are good, but at his price tag, with all the other options on the slate, it's hard to pull the trigger there. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And I was I was surprised mostly by how low people's Jones is, right? Like for yeah. the work he's got, like, as you said, he's still priced right, right? He's still right around 5K, if I recall correctly. And yeah. I, I think he's just a hair under, like I think it was like 48, 4,900 bucks. Yeah, 49. But he's like, yeah. So, right. And he's 2% owned right now. So, right. Obviously this is going to go up a little bit as we get closer, but man, what a, what a cool way to stack, you know, a 27 point team total, which, you know, that on this slate is the second highest total next to KC. Right. Um, you know, that's uh, an interesting way to go about it, especially if we see, even though Chubb's at his price, right. At 8k, is he going to get you 32 to 40, which, I mean, you have to have right uh, on this slate that, you know, Hilo and I were talking about it on the pod before this, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts today. You know, Jam just talked about it already. Th this slate appears to be, you're going to need 250 to 300 to get it done and most likely 275 and up, you know, as we start looking at where some of these games could really go. What are your thoughts about that on the point projections and, and what do you think it's going to take to win this week? Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know that it will, so I don't know that it will get that high just because most of these spots are priced appropriately. Like if you want to stack the Bengals, you want to stack the dolphins, like it's going to cost you. Um, so it's going to like, it's not like you can play all of these spots and expect to get these condensed points in each of the spots. So, uh, I mean, I'd be kind of surprised if we got up into that, like, you know, 275 plus range, but like for someone like Chubb specifically, like the issue with him is he has, 
if he even if he hits like that's just one spot again that you've hit whereas like if you were to uh attack like a two a double or a burrow double like you've taken out three spots so it's just much easier for you to maintain um to get that one th- that first thing right and then to have a reasonable chance to get enough other things right to get up to that 230 to 250 range which which you're going to need you know most weeks um you know it's it's interesting because we haven't had it's actually one of the oracle questions i wrote this week just about how um like we haven't had a week like this where there's so much so many good game environments we haven't had that in a long time and only a couple times at all this year. So it's like, it's hard to adjust to that. And there's so much excitement and a lot of people are thinking like, Oh, it's going to be so crazy high scoring. But at the same time, it's more a matter of like trying to, this is where correlated bets, um, betting on game environments, you know, your roster construction, this is where you can really separate yourself because I think a lot of people are going to try to get like, one piece of this team and one piece of this team and try to like hodgepodge it together. Cause they don't want to, you know, the FOMO of like, Oh, I can't have not have any players from this game. So I think that that's going to end up happening. So I think that gives more credence and more viability to those correlated bets. So where do you stand on, right? The Watson Cooper, people's Jones stack is going to come in under 18 grand. I think it's like 17, eight, right. Mm-hmm. They're going to come in at, right. That's a nice price target. Now, as you said, right. Watson hasn't played in two years. Um, you know, there is an opportunity for this to just be a blowout there's all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, for someone that's playing MME and is going to have 150 lineups out, a hundred lineups out, how do you feel about that stack at that price point? Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, it's just, you know, if Watson, if Watson goes for 300 plus and three touchdowns, that's, that's basically what it takes to get, you know, that's a 27 point DraftKings week, which uh, is just over 4x his salary. And you could pretty safely assume that, you know, over 200 of those yards and two of the touchdowns are going to go to the receivers. So, I mean, right there, and you're probably looking at like 12 or 13 uh, receptions as well. So quick math. Yeah. You're looking at like another 50 points right there. So yeah, you're at like an 80 point pace, um, you know, and that's not and too hard Watson, to see, but you know, if Watson gets you five, you know, fi- you know, five to seven rushes for 30 to 50 yards. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for even forget if he doesn't even get the rushing TV, even if he picks you up another three to five points rushing, right. Now you're starting to get into the low thirties. Yeah. I think like just from a strictly like, like if this game didn't have any like outside stuff attached to it, I think the most likely scenario is something kind of similar to what we saw with the dolphins last week, where like there's enough for everybody to get some, but like the Browns rushing game, isn't going to like disappear. They're going to get some production and like the likeliest thing is like 28 to 31 points for the Browns. It's kind of spread out. Like nobody really is somebody you have to have maybe one of the receivers, but it's not like you needed to stack the passing game. And it's not like you had to have a running back. That being said, the uh, dynamics of the game with Watson coming back and maybe, you know, leaning more towards the pass, maybe staying a little more aggressive later in the game than you would expect in a normal game. 
um, definitely uh, raises the chances. That's one of those few narratives where it could actually change how they approach the game. So that means that makes it more viable. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch on on that one. Uh, speaking of interesting spots and games, uh, we're going to move over to the Seahawks versus the Rams. And, you know, as most people know, if they're listening to this, uh, they know the walking wounded Rams are just falling apart at the seams. Aaron Donald's out now. I mean, they're, you know, no Safford, no Cup. Um, I mean, just tough spot, right? Uh, Rams still have, even without him, have a solid defense. How do you how do you see attacking this game? Because I like the Hawks implied total, right? When I see 24 for the team total, I like how they've played. Uh, you know, the con- same, their concentration has been pretty good overall. Um, but again, this is only an over under 41 on a slate where we could really see some fireworks. How, how do you approach something like that where you have a team with so many injuries? For me, it's pretty much just uh, Metcalf or Walker um, and nothing else. There's not, not really anything else from this game that, that interests me. Um, you know, Geno's had some decent games and he'll, he'll have a fine game here too, but um, his like ceiling games, his, he's had like two on the year and it's in like shootout thing, shootout games. And the Rams aren't going to have that this week. They, uh, you know, last week they, they had like a 56% run rate. Um, which is like way higher than league average. Like they're passing the ball very rarely and yeah. being very conservative when they do. Um, and that was in a game where they trailed by double digits for, you know, three quarters of the game. Um, so yeah, like they're not o- going to open it up. So Gino's not going to get there. The Rams play a lot of shell defense, um, you know, Lockett on the surface, Lockett and Metcalf have produced pretty similarly, but Lockett's gotten there mostly by, um, uh, more big plays and the Rams defense kind of takes those away. So um, I see Metcalf as a guy who he's kind of their alpha in terms of target share. He's like top 10 in the league in target share. Um, And the Rams, they have a solid run defense, even without Darnold and their zone kind of coverages, you know, Metcalf's been used a lot more in the intermediate areas as like a big body target. So I think, you know, Gino's leading the league in completion percentage this year, most accurate quarterback in NFL. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to pepper uh, Metcalf with some targets. And then later in the game, that's when Walker kind of shines. Um, I actually had it in my write-up. Uh, in the four Seahawks victories since Walker's been their starting running back, his opportunity counts, I believe, are 23, 24, 20, and uh, 29. Um, so, you know, he's pretty much a lock assuming that, uh, the Seahawks win this game for 20 plus opportunities. And we've seen him bust big plays, uh, especially later in games when defenses are kind of ready to give up. What, what do you think about the Seahawks defense getting steamed up on ownership? You know, they're, they're up 13, 14% already. Uh, you know, they're only, you know, they're 3,600 bucks. Um, do you see yourself going there with anything or other defenses you like this week? Um, you know, they're viable, but like, to me, like at that point, I'd rather just pay the extra, like, what is it? 400 for the Ravens, yep. yeah, um, 400 bucks for the, Ravens. you know, I'd yeah. rather, you know, go after Russ for, you know, not, not that much difference in price, um, you know, or even the cheap ones. And I mean, frankly, a team like, you know, I, I'd probably rather play the Rams defense than the Seahawks defense. Um, 
if it's going to be that kind of ownership, especially with the uh, pricing, you know, the, all the, the big game environments that we're wanting to chase and how expensive some of those players are. The Rams at 2300 um, I mean, that's $1,300 less. That's a huge savings. Yeah, and, you know, all it takes is is one play for a defense, like one fluky play, somebody botches a snap or, you know, a screen pass gets fumbled or somebody runs the wrong route and all of a sudden you have a defensive touchdown and, you know, six to eight points even from a, a min price defense can get you there. Yeah, that'll, it'll be an interesting spot. Um, now we're going to start working into a couple games of the week here. Uh, now it's going to get fun. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, so many narratives here, but we have the Rams and Dolphins. Uh, it's been interesting Good. to 49ers watch. and Dolphins. Oh, sorry. I said, for, yeah, sorry. I was making a change on the, uh, <laughs> you're on good. Yeah, yeah. On the side. Good catch. But, uh, yeah. which is awful because the 49ers are my team. So, um, we know what defense, you know, the Niners bring to the table. We've seen how it's gone. I'm really interested to watch as much as anything as the chess match between Shanahan and McDaniel, right? Mm-hmm. How, you know, they both know each other so well. They work together so long uh, and how they really think they're going to be able to scheme against each other. I think that's probably going to have the biggest impact on this game. Yeah. Um, and I, to me, the advantage there goes definitely to McDaniel because um you know, he's, he was working under Shanahan and you, if you look at the dolphins this year, um, you know, when McDaniel went there, everyone thought the running game, he's coming from San Francisco. It's going to, you know, this is how they play. And he has kind of been his own man. You know, he has done a great job. He has built his offense to his player's strengths. He leverages those strengths. He's not afraid to, um, you know, abandon ship. There's a clip. I actually linked it in my, uh, right up where he basically last week was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to throw the ball on every play this drive. On every play. I loved and, it. That was and he did it. Clip. And yep. he did it. And it reminds me of, uh, you know, in week seven, I believe it was, I was on the Chiefs big time. They were playing the 49ers in a similar spot. And the 49ers defense as a whole looks really good, but their run defense is kind of like their calling card. That's what's like elite. Um, and we saw like last week, the Dolphins, they they passed at like an 80% clip in the first half against that Texans run defense that's really bad. So like, I don't see any way that they're not like super pass heavy coming out against the 49ers. McDaniel knows that the 49ers um, defense is not one to be messed with. And like the 49ers pass defense, they they got dusted by the Chiefs in that one game. Dusted, um, like ran off the field. Yeah, like I mean, they gave up forty plus points. Mahomes threw for four twenty three and three touchdowns, but that doesn't even tell the whole story because Hardman had two rushing touchdowns, which you know that's a receiver, which is basically like, um, you know, that it's passing game kind of usage. So, you know, and this is you know, you look at the other outside of that game. You look at the other quarterbacks, the other passing offenses that the 49ers have faced. You've got Andy Dalton, Colt McCoy, uh, Justin Herbert without Keenan and Mike Williams, uh, Stafford twice, Mariota, Baker Mayfield, uh, Russell Wilson, Fields in week one in that monsoon before they had become who they are now, and Geno in rain on a short week. So, like, they haven't played, like, anyone 
except for the one time they did, they got absolutely dusted. So, um, you know, I think the Dolphins are going to throw it upwards of 40 times, um, you know, and we know where it's going. Hill and Waddle uh, are going to see a, you know, 50, per, 50 to 60% of the targets. Um, so like, to me, it's just like, uh, I'll be, I'll have one of Hill or Waddle in, in every lineup this week. And I think Hill might be the best play on the entire slate. So let's, let's talk, let's stick with Tua for a second. Talk about this. Just so, so our listeners and the people watching this can really get a grasp of where we're at on Friday afternoon. Let me name the quarterbacks on the current slate that have more ownership than Tua. Okay. Projected. Daniel, projected. Right, projected. Yeah. Right. Yeah, projected, right? We know it's there, but right when we're starting to look at this stuff, it matters when we're looking at it. All right. Currently, Daniel Jones, Kyle Allen, Marcus Mariota, Bryce Perkins, Mike White, and then work your way up to real quarterbacks. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that is crazy to me. And I I will tell you this. Um, as much as I'm a homer for my Niners, I am literally since a little kid, a lifelong fan, grew up watching them. If we get, I, I'm already gonna, I'm already big on the Dolphins. If we get any kind of low ownership, the I, I'm gonna be like the aggressiveness at which I'm gonna have is probably gonna make like my like make my account scared because how do you not stack that concentrated of offense when two is only sixty seven hundred dollars and you know the opportunity to really go there. Um, is crazy to me. I mean, right now Waddle, you know, is again, I get Tyreek and Waddle are priced up there, but man, like, you know, he's around 3% right now, right? If I get, you know, under 10% Hill, percent Waddle and 5% Tua, man, sign me up, buddy. Like, let's yeah. let's go make some money. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know, and that's where, you know, there's a lot of sharp people obviously around DFS, so like, you know, it, I feel like it has to get steamed up some, but also given the context of the slate, I don't know how high some of these guys can go. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it just, it sets up as a spot that is definitely, um, you know, people, people see the 49ers defense and you know, it, it scares them off and I see the 49ers defense and it, you know, kind of gets me excited. Um, you know, so I think that, uh, it's just a spot, like you said, it's, it's like a GPP dream um, where, <laughs> I mean, if, if you get 40 plus pass attempts with their skill sets, it's, you know, it, it's going to be hard for them not to, not to do some, some damage. So, so let's talk about the other side, right? Like, so let's say they are throwing the ball 40 times and they are putting up those points. Can this game while it's 46, 46- and a half, right? All of a sudden, do we see this game in the 60s, right? Working towards that 70 number. And, you know, they've already shown, like, you know, Jimmy will go out and throw the ball when they need to, right? He always has, right? Shanahan, yeah. when, he, you know, when he's had to, he's had Jimmy throw the ball. Obviously, they have a ton of weapons there. How do you see yourself working in the 49er side? Yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, McKay, Elijah Mitchell's out. That's the other thing. So with Mitchell out and then, um, McCaffrey, it seems like he's got some like knee stuff he's battling. So, um, you know, McCaffrey, I probably won't use, but like, I, I want him to be active and, and effective to help the game environment. Um, 
But I think that, you know, if Debo Samuel, we haven't seen, he didn't practice yesterday. So that's got me a little worried, but um, you know, if he's able to play, I could see with Mitchell back out, I could see like a vintage 2021 Debo type game where he's seeing four to seven tar- or four to seven carries, six to eight targets um, can make some big plays. His price has dropped a bunch. Um, otherwise I think, if Debo is out or limited, you know, Kittle might be the best tight end play on the slate last year when he was smashing and crushing souls and having 30 point games. That was when Debo was out. Um, and Ayuk is, is also viable. So, you know, I think, I think one 49ers piece definitely, um, makes sense to have. And that's the thing is like, this game could go off because the 49ers, like both sides, it has what we're looking for. Like it has explosive players. You know, and that's what Garoppolo does is he gets the ball in their hands. And, you know, the Dolphins run defense is is very good as well. Um, And without Mitchell and with McCaffrey banged up, they might have to throw it more themselves. So, yeah, it's uh, super interesting. Yeah. Imagine getting this game and all of a sudden we had 80 plus passes between the two teams. Right. Like if if we see that, we're going to get some fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that'll be a fun one to, to work and leverage off. And uh, let's go to, you know, the game that everybody's been talking about all over Twitter, all over social, right? We got uh, a rematch here uh, and we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just going to let you start and tell me what you see going with this game, how you plan to like how you see we can stack it. What are your, you know, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so. Um, you know, obviously I think both teams, so both teams know who they are. Both teams also are confident in their defenses. Their defenses are, are good. Um, not great defenses, but they've been solid. Um, but they're also realistic enough to know that like, they can't just like come out and mess around and hope that like they can score 20, 24 points and that'll be enough. Like they're going to, they need to hunt points from the start of the game. So uh, both defenses are top three in the league and pass rate over expectation. Um, and I'd expect both teams to come out uh, relatively aggressively early on. Um, you know, when you've got that kind of explosiveness on both sides, you've also got the a situation where neither team is going to be comfortable. If either team gets a 14, nothing lead. I mean, last year, the chiefs blew 21, seven lead and a 21, three lead to the Bengals. So if they get a lead, like they're not going to slow down this time. Um, and on the flip side, like the Bengals also um, aren't going to do that. We saw at the end of last year, uh, the Bengals um, against the Ravens. And then when they had uh, the comeback against the chiefs, like they're going to keep going. So yep. you've got that p- unique potential where um, not only does the game environment set up well, but it also, it's hard to see a scenario where one team gets up and then it just like flatlines the whole thing. Um, so that's what makes it really interesting to me, you know, on the Kansas city side, I'm really interested in Isaiah Pacheco. Um, he saw the most running back opportunity last week of any chiefs running back this year. Uh, Clyde Edwards flares on injured reserve uh, McKinnon. I'm still trying to figure out if he practiced today, but he missed practice uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, so if he were out again, you know, that gives opportunity, maybe, uh, Pacheco even gets some, some more pass game work. So, um, he's a nice cheap way to get exposure to this game and, um, doesn't look like he's getting much, 
uh, much attention, but again, it's early, like, you know, people can get steamed. Uh, so yeah, that'll be interesting. And then, you know, from the passing game, Juju uh, Smith Schuster, he's like, he's clearly their wide receiver one. Uh, he had 20 targets in the two games before he was concussed in that Jacksonville game. Um, and then last week they kind of just like, he just kind of played like a, like a spot role. He didn't have his full allotment of snaps. Um, and I would guess that was to kind of just get him back in the mix and, and not risk him heading into this matchup. Um, but you know, he's the clear top receiver. And then obviously you've got Travis Kelsey, um, who, you know, you can play Kelsey. If you play Kelsey, you have to play Mahomes because it becomes like a free square. I talked about this in my edge interpretations too. Um, you know, in every, every game that Kelsey has gone for four X, his salary, what his salary is this week, uh, Mahomes has 30 plus points. So if you're playing Kelsey, you might as well take the free square of, a another roster spot of 30 plus points. Um, but Mahomes, he can get there. He's got six 30 point games this year. And, you know, half of them are when Kelsey was just kind of like a meh game, like didn't really, um, separate. So, um, you can go Mahomes, no Kelsey, but you can't go Kelsey, no Mahomes is kind of the rule. So how do you feel on the other side of the ball? How do you feel with Mixon and Chase coming back? Where, do, where are you at with Mixon and, and how do you work that? So it's interesting. Again, you look at like early week projections and stuff. And um, I mean, it's Friday, but it's early relative to Sunday, right? Um, so it's interesting to me because like if I'm seeing this right, it looks like... Uh, it looks like the the receivers for uh, the chiefs are actually going to be a little bit lower owned. Um, yep. So, it, you know, it's interesting because like Hayden Hurst is probably going to be like equal to or more owned than the receivers, but like his role is going to be very different with everybody back. Um, I'm not really interested in Mixon. I think P Ryan did really well in Mixon's absence. Um, so I think he will. And We've seen this multiple times. We just talked about Juju in the first game back after a concussion. A lot of times teams are extra cautious. They don't, you know, if a guy gets that second concussion on top of another one, like he's probably going to miss like a month. So, you know, I don't see Mixon being like that full-time feature back that we saw. So if he plays, there's, I won't, I won't have interest in the Bengals backfield. If he doesn't play, I think P Ryan's one of the best plays on the slate. Um, also if Mixon doesn't play, then I think like the Bengals passing game is just like wheels up. Uh, Tyler Boyd's really interesting to me. You know, I think people kind of relied on him when Chase was out thinking more opportunity and this guy, you know, he can have a big ceiling. Um, but really his two best games, he's got two games this year where he had hundred yards and a touchdown. Both of those games were with Higgins and Chase on the field. And I think what you're seeing is. When both those guys are on the field, they draw a ton of attention. Uh, Boyd's skill set isn't one where he's going to get 10, 12 targets in any situation. So for him, the best situation is a good game environment. He's getting his six to eight targets and he's getting like, you know, he's getting, he's the forgotten man from the opponent's standpoint. Um, and I think at 5,300, he's a really interesting way. Um, so I really like Burrow stacks with one of Higgins or Chase and Boyd. How do you? How do you like hearing the news that, you know, Chase came out and just said, Hey, I basically said, you know, I held myself out. I wanted to make sure I was like a hundred percent good to go for this game. Right. Which made sense. Right. Everybody mm -hmm. was hoping they play last week, but right. This is a big game. 
this this game really matters for them. Um, how how does that make you feel going into this? Yeah, I mean, I'm assu- you know assuming he's fully healthy. There's obviously like a little re-injury risk, I guess, but um, you know he's he's an elite. He has the highest ceiling of you know him and Tyree Killer you know, and Justin Jefferson are in like a league of their own as far as like ceiling, like they're like guys who could drop 50 at, at, at a moment's notice. Um, so, you know, when you see his price tags actually a little lower than it used to be um, yeah. and he's in this matchup and um, you know, he, he's not like normally a real loud guy. So when he starts talking, he was jabbing with uh, some Kansas city defenders yep. this week Uh you know, when he does talk, you listen, you know, one of those sorts of situations. So, um, you know, and uh, on the flip side of that, like Higgins as I mean, Higgins is a baller. He showed that, uh, he had a monster game, um, the end of last year when, uh, the Bengals had those couple huge games, week 16 and 17 Higgins was a big part of that. One of the games he had like 45 DraftKings points or something. Yeah, week 16, he, he helped yeah, the all Ravens. the guys, right? Yeah, you had to have him in best ball to make it to the finals, really. Yeah, was, yeah. You know. so, so, you know, and he, I mean, he's they're both capable of that. Um, you know, it's just a matter of uh, who's on the receiving end at the right time. And Chase, obviously, is, I think, more explosive player, but Higgins is more likely to get like a one-on-one situation where he can, um, where the defense lets him make a play whereas chase has to chase has to be really good to make the play but he's capable of it so yeah i think both are are, uh very viable yeah i'm i'm interested to watch and i'm sure we're going to see some big ownership projections change here as we go um and we're going to finish off here with the mighty battle of the chargers and raiders um good nice height game total for this um you know, I uh, I was talking to Hilo about this earlier. I literally pivoted off Jacobs last second and put in Adams because I had the salary. And obviously that didn't go as well for me as it could have. <laughs> uh, I still had a solid week, but on my single entries, that that would have been the – I would have Hulk smashed some, some stuff. Uh, if I would have mm-hmm. just said, oh, I'm okay, leave it a 1000 bucks off the board. But uh, I wasn't comfortable with that. So, right, we have, you know, Eckler Jacobs – right? Which tie up tons of your salary, you know, and then you got some of the cheaper price guys gaining a lot of attention like Foster, um, you know, and Adams has shown when he's getting the targets, what he can do. How do you, how do you approach this game? You know, with as bad as the Chargers run D has been um, as good as, you know, the Raiders, you know, been with Jacobs, like, is this a game you can see getting some pivot off of with hopefully a little bit lower ownership? Uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting kind of to see how things shake out. Um, if it gets like overlooked because the other games on the slate, there's a lot of weeks this year where this would have been like the game, right? Like everybody would have been, um, all over it, but you know, I mean, we've talked about it twice already with the the dolphins, but three times with the dolphins, the Browns, uh, and then the Bengals and chiefs game, like you know, like, Oh, well, the, these ownerships have to go up. Like they can't all go up though. So, um, right. you know, it's, it's an interesting spot. Uh, one thing I think Justin Herbert's like crazy interesting. Cause you know, the, the chargers play at the fastest rate in the NFL and they throw the ball at the, like 
uh, top five uh, pass rate over expectation. Yeah, the, yeah. They're actually this. I think it's four, actually the top four. pass rate. Yeah, if, if you're if you just look at overall pass rate, they're actually number one if it, you don't go by expectation or whatever. So they're throwing the ball the most of any team in the NFL, um, and they're playing the worst secondary in the NFL. And sometimes, you know, it can be as simple as that. Um, you know, he's super interesting to me. And like, as I was doing the game write up and I like literally like was typing that out, like the chargers throw more than anyone and they play at the fastest pace and they're playing the worst secondary. And then like, I looked at like the Herbert ownership and it's like 5%. I'm like, yep, that doesn't, that doesn't add up. Um, you know, and you know, it'll be interesting. Um, but like I said, that like all these spots can't go up. So he's a really interesting one. And then your Josh Palmer is like the classic DFS play. Like he had the big Monday night game against the Chiefs. So then his price was like 5,400 last week. Williams is out. Everyone wants to play him against the Cardinals. And he has like a nine point game or something. Um, this week he faces, but like we know the Cardinals have held down perim, like top the top receiving options for other teams. They hold down perimeter receivers. Um, like we know that about the Cardinals like scheme. And now he plays the worst secondary in the league. And he's like basically the same price. And last week he was 20%. Now he's going to be like 6% or, you know, allegedly that's, you know, the projections currently. So it's like a classic DFS play where like, he just makes a ton of sense to stack up with, with Herbert for me. Um, you know, Keenan Allen, isn't really a guy jamming up about this a lot. He, his ceiling isn't the type that I like try to chase. And he's like, for whatever reason, like the most popular receiver always for the chargers, um, you know, and then Eckler obviously is, is super viable. He's you know, probably the top running back in fantasy this year. And uh, you know, all his big games have been, in good matchups and high scoring environments, which uh, this checks those boxes. Yeah. The, the Palmer reminds me of Jacobs last week, right? Um, you know, I had a bunch of Jacobs in my three maxes, but I just didn't have them on my SEs, uh, which that's what I mostly play a single entry three max. And so mm-hmm. that's a, you know, from that standpoint, right. But, you know, Jacobs came in at 3% when it was all said and done, right. Because he had had those slower couple of weeks, but meanwhile, in his range of outcomes is right, is that. So uh, that's the comparison uh, you get me to think about when talking about Palmer and right. Like as you type it out, like I feel like the old school cartoons where like the light bulb goes on, like Herbert's 5%, throw the most to the league, right? They're playing the worst yeah, defense. Like, yeah. Like if you're going to throw a lot in the team and you're pretty good and the team you're against, you're facing is bad at stopping the past, like, it's like, you know, A plus B can just equal C and you can just, you could just move on sometimes. Um, so how do you manage Devontae this week? You know, I think you know, the Raiders, JM and I have been talking about this for weeks. That's kind of a Adams and so Adams and Jacobs, I keep having Raiders write-ups because uh, I do all the afternoon ones because I do the afternoon only uh, article. So I've had the Raiders for like six of the last seven weeks or something. And uh, so in each of their last four games, Adams and Jacobs have combined for 67% or more of the usage uh, for the Raiders. So like 
it's by far the most concentrated uh, offense in the league. Um, and we've got, I think it's, I think we're at like seven straight weeks now where one of them, uh, they, well, the only game in the last, so the Raiders had that game against the saints where Devonte had the flu and the whole yep. offense just tanked. But if you just wipe that game out, uh, yeah. So in the last seven games, um, at least one of them has scored 30 points. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of, you can just be like, I'm going to play one of them in every lineup and, and you're, you're set pretty well. Um, you know, and I don't think in this matchup, you know, the, the chargers have a bottom three run defense and we saw Jacob smash last week. Um, I'm assuming he's going to be at full strength, just like he was last week. Uh, and, uh, Adams, you know, he had a 30 plus point game week one. I think he had 17 targets and just kind of destroyed this Chargers secondary. You know, they've lost Bosa on a couple secondary players since then. So, you know, I mean, both guys are in spots where um, there's not really anything that, that keeps them from um, having success. And I, you know, I think the trend's going to continue. At least one of them's going to have a 30 point week. Interesting. Um, as we finish up here, uh, keep in mind you, our discord is free. You can come over to one week season. There's a ton of information in there, uh, that you're able to see. You're able to see a bunch of these write-ups. Uh, we give access to all of that. And basically we're, we're trying to teach you how to actually play DFS. That's why we're doing these versus just, this is, this is the play, go play them, right. Getting you to understand game theory and how to go there. Uh, and I asked Hilo this earlier. So, right. We're in week 13. It's a big season long and best ball week for a lot of people. Uh, who do you need in best ball this week to, to really, uh, help carry some of your teams home? Who do you have exposure to that you need to step up? Well, like Dallas Goddard and David and Joku were like two of my like biggest tight end like stands this year. And like both have been great, but both are now hurt. Uh, so I was, I have a lot of lineups with both. Uh, so I'd been kind of banking on, you know, Joku being back now and kind of carrying us till Goddard gets there in the playoffs. Uh, but now that's kind of out the window. So that hurts. Um, you know, I've got a lot of, uh, you know, the Dolphins exposure. Um, I've got a lot of, uh, you know, Jefferson was kind of my early, the, he was the guy I liked the most from those top four, the CMC, Cup, Taylor, uh, and Jefferson. Um, Jefferson was my, my favorite guy. So that is, has worked out pretty well. Um, you know, and I, I've got a lot of Browns. Um, I, I had a decent amount of Watson. So I was looking through my team's, and uh, I have a lot of Deshaun Watson on teams that are already in like first through third place. So uh, he could, he could kind of kick things into gear for me. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I have a fair amount to Watson. Um, I talked about earlier, I, I need fields to go. Uh, I have a ton of exposure to fields. Um, he, you know, him being healthy down the stretch here would be really good for me. Um, I'm the same on Miami. I mean, right early in the year, we were taking, you know, Tyreek in the beginning of the third. And then, you know, I took him in the second round the rest of the time. You know, I have, Je I have Eckler Tyreek stacks. I have Jefferson Tyreek stacks. I have Kelsey Tyreek stacks because of where they're letting me take them. Right. Um, it's uh, I got a lot of stuff stacked. Cause I'm like, man, like if McDaniels figures them out, like this is going to smash. 
right? Like there was, yeah. uh, you know, he's, you know, cause come this next year, right. Tyreek is, you know, a top six pick most likely most of the best ball season, mm-hmm. you know, top eight pick, yeah. right. Depend upon what's going on. Like he's, he's not going to the second round this new coming year. So uh, right. I, I could definitely use that um, there as well. Um, and I would like, it would be really helpful if Tony could actually be like healthy and get going with Kansas city. That would, uh, that'd be lovely club, the playoffs here for me. (laughs) He's always, you know, he's around just long enough to remind you like what could be if he ever stayed healthy and then he goes away again. Yeah. It's, uh, I used, uh, it just tantalizes you. Yeah. Right. Like I, I used a, a funny example of right. Walking in, you know, to a club with a bunch of dollar bills in your hand and all you want to do is go throw them on stage, but then you leave disappointed. So yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that, that's how I feel with Tony. Right. Like, I'm just like, it looks good from far away, but you know what, once we got finished up, I, it, it wasn't really good for me. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I, I said that to somebody yeah. earlier. So, um, one of the <laughs> things too, good. uh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the things to keep in mind, uh, Mike does a really awesome, um, Sunday afternoon lineup for those looking to play and the advantages there that are available to our members, um, that are part of inner circle. So come check us out. And if, again, if you're listening to this on podcast at one and a half, uh, you can come see our pretty faces on YouTube and, uh, hope everybody does well, getting ready to, uh, get into playoffs and season long this week and, uh, run pure DFS. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you guys soon.